0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in Westminster as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Challoner and today I'm joined by Keith Woodford. Keith is a Director, Development Consultant and the founder of QFX Limited, a technology development company in Aberdeen, Scotland. Uh, Keith, welcome. Great to have you on the programme with us today. Hi Scott, thank you very much for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. So, if we dive straight into things, uh, Keith, um, if one were to say the word "leader" to you, what does that word actually mean to you?
1: Uh, for me, from my experience, it means that you have to have lots of different hats. Um, leadership can create all kinds of different uh, character requirements. We have so many different people in our staff and and in our in our Customers in our country, we need to adapt to those things. So a leader needs to be flexible. That's one thing for sure. And they need to be uh, adaptable in understanding how people may um, think, may view the world, and there are lots of different perspectives.
0: Absolutely. And effective leadership is coming under the microscope uh, now with the recent uh, COVID-19 outbreak more than ever, really. It's been scrutinized at the level, not just, um, of course, at the political level, but also in business. Um, From your own business experience, uh, Keith, um, do you have any advice for leaders who are facing difficult situations, not just in the context of the here and now, but in any everyday context?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think one of the most important things to do is to empathize with the way that people may feel. There's there's an immense amount of anxiety going on right now. And a lot of people are very fearful for their jobs. Um, a lot of people are actually living in denial. Um, a lot of people are just fearful in general. And good leadership is trying to harness those, the, the, those uh, possible reactions and try to calm people. And once you've done, gone through that process of calming people, Build a sense of community. You're in this together, and if you can if you can engage people and pull them in so that they feel they're not alone, even though they're working from from home, likely, you know that's a very that's a very common thing right now. Pulling people in and giving them a sense of community and unity, I think, is a very very important thing to be doing right now
0: absolutely and um i think if you look at it from the point of view of a politician keeping the national morale high it's a very similar situation in business isn't it it is the role of a business leader to essentially create an environment of positivity of hope which will allow those around them to flourish as well
1: mm, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely and i you know i think we need in, in times like this we need to have leadership that is that that does not demonstrate itself to be vulnerable, weak, or uncertain of what to do. And that, that applies to everything. And we're talking about leadership politically from public organizations and, and, and obviously the NHS is coming under a, a, an immense amount of focus. We need strong leadership, and strong leadership does not does not mean that it can't be um, inviting, comforting, reassuring, and so on and so forth. But we, everyone needs to know what the direction here is.
0: Yes, absolutely, and we've also seen some uh, very contrasting approaches um, to um, in, in terms of responding to the whole outbreak as well, um, for example, over here in the u k Boris Johnson and his cabinet were taking a much less hands on approach until more stricter measures have come in recently but then Mm -hmm. on the other hand you have the likes of Xi Jinping in China, Giuseppe Conte in Italy who were quite decisive in putting their countries on lockdown quite quickly. Um, If we take it away from the crisis situation and away from politics do you tend to uh, as a business leader yourself toward the approach of diving on top of things getting on top of situations or do you tend to let things play out a bit see how matters develop and then take action?
1: I don't believe that there's any one particular form, formula that is going to be correct for all those for all situations, and I think that it can be different. It depends on the nature of the situation. If, if you have any, um, you know, significant issues that uh, are causing problems with um, with your staff, and, and obviously people feel feel very very passionately about those things, it can be very very dangerous to let those things play out. In my personal experience, in situations like that try to understand all of the perspectives, but you need to act and you need to act early. That's one thing that that, that, that that is actually born of a few very, very painful lessons over my career. There are other situations where it is probably better to to, to allow things to play out, but you need to make a an early judgment call. Are the consequences of these situations going to be immensely damaging? Or are they a natural kind of evolution of the way that people may work together? That's a good example. I've been in a situation where where a company has been acquired two completely different operating cultures come together. And if you try and force those situations to try and force people to get on and so on, you're actually likely to fail. If you are empathetic and try to understand all the perspectives, in those situations you can let it play out. But there are plenty of other things that I can think of where, no, you really want to get in there and jump on it early. And that's a million miles away from the COVID-19 crisis, I understand. And it's maybe not a black and white answer. But in my experience, again, good leadership understands the, the, the ground that lies before them. And they adapt their responses to that.
0: Absolutely. And um, in your um, experience, um, are there any leaders who have sort of got that balance between being proactive and being reactive and maybe being an inspiration to your own leadership style, Keith? In my career, do you mean? Yes, absolutely. Have you experienced anybody, be they a prominent figure or a figure within business who's maybe been um, a, good, a good example of a leader in that respect? Yes.
1: Yeah, there there have been a couple a, a couple of key figures um, in, in my own career. I've spent a great deal of my career working alone and working for myself. I, I wanted to have that independence. So I I, I missed a lot of years where I, could, where I could have benefited from working from people like this. But in the occasions where I did, I always found that the, um, the overly forceful, overly aggressive leadership, leadership style ultimately failed. If there, was a, if there was a compromise where firmness was required under certain circumstances, but in other circumstances, an, um, uh, an approach of empathy and understanding and problem solving was there, those people had a huge influence on me. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, there have been a couple of, of really good figures in my career.
0: Yeah, for sure. And some of the figures that you mention are people whose um, achievements may not be all too recognised because these aren't necessarily individuals um, that are in the public eye, for example. And with that in mind and thinking about the fact that good leadership can often go under the radar in that respect, is leadership, good leadership especially, celebrated as much as it should be in the UK in your view? Uh,
1: No, I, I really, really do believe that good leadership is forgotten about. And there's an awful lot of really good leadership going on out there. In all kinds of situations, you think of the emergency services. I've seen really good and bad people in, in um, that I've come in contact with in the emergency services, in the military, in business, all the way through. And there are some absolutely fantastic examples of leadership going on constantly in all levels of, of, of society. And we as a nation, I think sometimes don't show enough appreciation for those situations
0: yeah it's um it's interesting um that you uh, mentioned that um I do want to go back a little bit Keith and um look at um your career as well because of course you talked about um getting a sense that you would be working for yourself one day um early in your career did you always imagine therefore that you would end up being in a leadership position yourself um
1: i th- I think it was inevitable because of what I wanted to do from a very early age. I wanted to create a business i was I was never motivated by um the, the you know the material gain or money from that. I always wanted to create a business and create things and generate things. It was a, it was always my dream and ambition. And to be honest, that hasn't really waned. Um, and uh, the difficulty with starting too early is that you can just simply be in a situation where you really just don't know what you're doing. And I, you know, <laughs> I have to be pragmatic and, and hold my hand up. And there were cases where I really was drowning and didn't know what I was doing. And I call it the, the um, house on fire syndrome. You learn a lot um, when you're in difficult situations. If the house is on fire, you will learn how to use the fire extinguisher very, very quickly. And um, rightly or wrongly, through a lot of my career, I would, I would, I would uh, have the courage to put myself out there and take some take some risks. And, I would, and it would be a fantastic learning process. You would learn a great deal. So I think one of the things that that I certainly feel blessed to have had is a huge amount of experience, you know, from a leadership and interaction point of view, management point of view, and of course, including the technical things that I actually do in, 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 in my in my career.
0: That's a really interesting uh, point, actually, that you mentioned there, because um, the experience of being in leadership positions, you do very much sort of learn on the job, as it were. Whereas there may be yeah. some people out there, especially listening to this, who might think that great leaders are just born with those qualities. But maybe that's not necessarily the case, is it? Maybe it is something that you can learn and develop throughout your career.
1: Um I think you have to have a, a, a receptiveness towards that, but I do think that good leadership can actually be taught and it tends to be mentored by good leaders you know and I do sincerely believe that, uh, that that behavior is very very viral, no pun intended for the current environment but I think behavior is very very viral and that's both good and bad. So if you have this contagious kind of behavior which is positive, you can actually pass that on. And people who may not necessarily have been born into leadership roles or or have had to live in the shadows of other dominant personalities can sometimes be nurtured and can sometimes emerge and demonstrate this kind of um, uh, learned leadership. I do think that that's actually genuine. I don't think that you're necessarily born. I think there's no doubting that some people are born on this earth and they have a propensity towards certain things and they will inevitably emerge. I think that's absolutely true. But it doesn't mean that it excludes
0: other people. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, at this time especially, we do need um, effectively just to be stepping under the uh, the breach more than ever. Um, yeah, Keith, yeah. I'm conscious of um, running out of time, but before we do wrap things up, um, do you give me an idea of what you imagine the next 12 months will hold for yourself or QFX and what you hope to achieve in that time as well.
1: Well... Um, it, it, my my career has been, as I say, gone through the process of, of developing an engineering business and growing it and trying to trying to focus in the technology area, area right up to building a business of small scale. It wasn't a huge business, but it still had scale, disposing of that business, selling it, and then working independently to consult for other company to bring that knowledge to bear, and that's what I'm continuing to do. And um, what I see is that a lot of companies are... Uh, and for the companies that I work with and the ones that I see, they are not unique. We have got really, really uncertain times. And I think that one of the most important things that we must continue to do is to communicate with our workforce and we must reassure our workforce. Even if there's really bad news, I think people want to know. And I think that's really important. There are going to be absolutely massive economic impacts from what is currently happening around the world. There are also going to be some winners. And I think. Good leadership is pragmatic about this and they're also benevolent in this. I really hope that we get some, some, um, some good leadership going on because we need to, need to galvanize people together. And when this crisis eases, which it will, we have got to make ourselves economically strong and we have seen some poor human behavior recently and good leadership can actually help us stem that. So right the way through public services into government, into business good leadership that communicates well, makes people feel important and part of the solution I think is desperately important in this time.
0: Absolutely fantastic and let's hope that we do see that borne out in the uh, the coming months. Um, Keith, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the uh, the programme today and I think it would also be fantastic to perhaps have you back on in a few months just to see how things have um, panned out and progressed in that respect. So thanks so much again for your attention.
1: I'd love to. I'd love to. Thanks a lot for the invite, Scott. I really do appreciate it. Thank you
0: very much. It's been fantastic to speak. Uh, We now hand over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Sir Andrew Strauss.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White and today we are joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB. Sir Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Real pleasure to be here. Thank you.
2: The pleasure is all of ours. You know, Andrew, you've had a distinguished career, as I said, both on and off the pitch in English cricket, recognised not least with your knighthood for services to sport just last year. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, Now, there have been ups and downs in the career, like any career, including public and private disagreements with certain individuals. And on that front, I think what everybody wants to know, have you finally forgiven Marcus Dresscothic for giving you that stupid Lord Brockett nickname?
3: (laughs) Um, Well, my recollection... was It wasn't Marcus Scott that you gave me that nickname, ah. it was actually Mark Butcher. Uh, He's but to blame. I think there were a lot of people, it was the senior England teams at the mo- mm. at that time who wanted to sort of put me in my place and make sure that I didn't get above my station. So um, uh, thankfully it didn't particularly <laughs> stick, other than within those group of players. And you really
2: did try and get on their nerves by getting above your station, because of course in your first outing uh, you went on to score 112. Mm. Now, am I right in saying this, perhaps, that you only got there because Michael Vaughan did himself an injury?
3: Well, that was the reason I got on the pitch in the yes. first place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's often sort of misunderstood or misjudged the role that luck plays in a in an international career or sporting career, full stop. And, um, you know, I was wait, waiting patiently in the wings mm. for an opportunity and it didn't really seem like an opportunity was going to come along and then...
2: ashes series is one of the greatest sporting moments of this country's history now we could chat for hours about that but i know uh, i wouldn't be allowed to and and, and you've got <laughs> other places to be so <laughs> we can't do that but i if i may i would love to ask what your highlight was personally for that but perhaps more importantly um as a team how were you able as a group to deal with the pressure no doubt you were feeling
3: yeah, well the the pressure is like nothing else that I experienced before or after because you know, I think it's easy to forget how how much of a holy grail the Ashes was mm. back then, you know, we hadn't won it for so long and it seemed like we'd come up against these invincible Australian teams year after year. So, you know, the the closer we got to it, the harder it became. Um I remember Ashley Giles walking into the dressing room for the f- I think it was in... Final day of the series, and I looked at him, and he looked absolutely terrible—like <laughs> just white of a sheet, grey. He looked like aged about five years. I went, "God, Charlie, you're not looking too good." And he went, "Yeah, it's not surprising. I haven't slept for eight weeks." <laughs> and I went, "Well, join the club." You Quite. know, and I think we'd all been sort of living this behind our own closed doors, and um, yeah, was it, it just an extraordinary thing. And uh, without doubt, the the highlight was biggest sort of poison chalice of all time and that you know the <laughs> yes. sort of a litany of england captains had sort of been churned up by the job prior to me taking over so th- there was that sort of realization this is going to be a tough thing to do um and you're gonna to have to dig pretty deep but i think actually the most important thing was sort of just pushing all that noise to one side and just clarifying okay if i'm going to do this job worth broadening out that a bit. It you lets. know, I, I think there are all sorts of different people that you have to um, sort of contend with in a team environment. And uh, the job of the leadership or the management is to tr- to try and sort of gel them all together and get them bought into what you're trying to do and whatever. So, you know, th- there are some people that are a bit more self-absorbed. There's some people that are slightly more maverick in the, the way they, they view the world. Um, there's some people that are very quiet, uh there's some people that are you know perhaps very worried about what might go wrong and so you've got to try and Mm. understand all these people individually and try and get the best out of them um but yeah there was definitely a line there for me in terms of um embracing difference up to the point where someone doing following their agenda was going in a completely different path from the team's agenda and you know if and when that happens that the World Cup final was quite extraordinary.
2: I know some fantastically avid cricket fans who were Googling there and then what exactly the rules became, because I... Yeah, well, so was <laughs> it I, I, actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, Andrew, in your, in your wife's memory, you established the Ruth Strauss Foundation last year. Uh, in doing so, whether you'd admit it or not, yourself and the foundation has become an inspiration to thousands, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. Please do take some time, if you wouldn't mind, Andrew